Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha, Marsha Kisper-Cook, and uh, we have, I don't know what happened, but oh, there's more, but it's okay. I should know this after uh, 12 years of shows. Uh, okay. Uh, we have Tom Deedy and Elizabeth Black, and uh, I said his name right, so I'm really glad to say that first. Okay. So uh, we have two great authors here, and we're talking about horror, but... I wasn't going to put this on in the, in the title, but I am because whenever somebody hears that I'm having horror authors, they think, "Oh my God, we don't, you know, we don't write horror." But writing horror is just like writing anything else. We're writing, you know, it's a writing. So I think that, um, especially with these two, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a. I think it's a great topic to talk about with horror writers because everyone that Elizabeth has introduced me to so many people that have done horror writing and it's so interesting and we've had a lot of shows like that but this time I put it out there because I don't want people to be afraid of listening to horror writers because I think they're writers but they're just writing a genre so it's not that okay and uh, which is hard for people to sometimes understand that what we write is not always about who we are so, and I'm going to let um, Tom go first, and then Elizabeth can go afterwards, and he's going to tell you a little about, bit about what he's been doing and what's coming up, and then so will Elizabeth, and then we'll get into a discussion. So, hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me, Marsha. Um, You're welcome, and you are busy. Yeah, busy. <laughs> I, I have been keeping busy, and I know a lot of people have been struggling over the past year with the the pandemic and yeah. the lockdown yeah. and, and all that type of stuff. But oh, yeah. I hate to say for me, it's been a very productive time. I, I do have a full-time day job. And since I've been a hundred percent remote, God, it'll be a year next month. Yeah, I know um, that. I know. You know, I know. Mm-hmm. not having mm-hmm. to spend two, two hours in the car driving back and forth to work every day has yeah. just it it's given me two extra hours in my day and you know from a writing productivity perspective I, i've been really flourishing with with all That's the extra great. time so hard to complain about it for me we've all stayed no. safe and healthy in my family and and my circle of friends so um Not yeah good. i've been i've been really really doing well Oh, that's great. I, you know, it's been hard. You know, I've you know, i had, I can remember at the beginning of COVID, I said, oh, I don't know if I should even have shows. I'm thinking like, well, and then the first week I went like, okay, we won't have a show. And then after that, we did have shows and we weren't going to talk about it, but it's been a year, almost a year now. So we will discuss it a little because everybody has changed a little from that. So, um, Elizabeth? I know you've been coming along right on some of these shows for COVID. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a regular. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, yeah, it's been it's been a year, but you know, with COVID. And the interesting thing is that uh, last year, I went out with my husband for my birthday, and we went out to a restaurant. The next day was when the state shut everything down, and it's been yes. shut down ever since. So this was in the middle of March, and um, it's been almost a year. It is hard to believe, you know. So I, I'm glad that you've done good, Tom, you know, because a lot of people have been on the show and they just can't write, they can't concentrate, and it's been a real problem for people and they have nowhere to go sell their books. So how how are you managing it? You just, you know, you concentrate. You must be concentrating well because you have all these books coming out. 
Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I do understand and I, and I feel for the people that are struggling. I have friends who even say they haven't even been able to read consistently, never mind write. Yeah. Um, yeah. which obviously, you know, takes a less concentration, I think, to read a book than to write one. And people are struggling with that. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I don't know. If, like I said, I've been I've been following all the guidelines and my, my I've been very lucky to yeah. have my family remain healthy and my friends remain healthy. And I think I've just been able to kind of put all the other bad stuff aside and just really heads down, focus on what I'm doing. Really, the only time I struggled with writing at all was the first week in November, the the election week, where that was just so yeah. insanely yeah. stressful. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I you was think? really, you think? really yeah. having a hard time. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. once it finally looked like things were going the right way, it just like the floodgates opened again. Yeah, I think it's hard for people now. I, I really do. You know, I think that, you know, as much as nobody, you know, sometimes you go, oh, we don't want to talk about it, but this is where we are now. I mean, and it's, this is a horror story in itself right now where we're, we're all living it, you know, and, uh, but, yeah, we're all trying to cope with all of this. So I think, you know, writing for some people works out really well. And so, and I think by now a lot of people that weren't being able to concentrate, they are starting to concentrate, um, Myself, sometimes I just can't keep, you know, I've been watching the news all the time, and if I have to shut it off because I have to really think, you know, and I used to be able to write in coffee shops wherever I was. And we have a lot of people which, you know, that's what people want to know is where people write. Well, now they know where they write, but what before, did you always write at home? You were Elizabeth, either one of you, did you write at home or did you write at coffee shops or at work? Um, How did you well, I used to Well, I used to write at Starbucks. This is like 10 years ago. And I would stay until the soccer mom showed up with all their kids, and then the kids would start running around, so I'd leave. But um, mostly I write at home, and I've also been very fortunate that um, my husband and son are both considered essential workers. So there's been no problem with money you know, in the house and employment or anything like that. And uh, none of us have been sick, but uh, about a half dozen members of my family did get sick from COVID, and uh, they've recovered. I was really worried about my dad for a while there because uh, he has health problems. But, you know, everybody is so far doing really well. And um, as far as my writing goes, I've been able to get quite a bit done, you know, with, uh, you know, because everything is home. We don't go out as much. And um, I'm about to start a new job. It, it, it's it's so brand new, I really don't have much to say about it, but I'm going to be working as a writer for a game company. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's something brand new to me. I've never done anything like this before. And it's going to be a challenge, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, uh the writing end of it for the last year has actually been pretty good. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. In regards to writing at home, I, I do the majority of my writing at home. I'm kind of a late night person. So I kind of do my family stuff and then everybody goes to bed and I stay up into the, the wee hours trying to get some writing done. But I will say 2020 started off with with such an infusion of motivation because Christopher Golden, who's another local member of the horror community here uh, in Massachusetts, he hosted a writer's retreat up at the Stowe, I, I'm sorry, the Von Trapp Family Lodge in Stowe, Vermont last January. And, and there was about, uh, I guess it was about 30 of us up there. And we just rented a big conference room you know we're in this beautiful inn in the mountains of vermont and and we just went up to our conference room with our laptops and our snacks and our drinks and just the energy to have like all those like-minded people sitting there heads down banging on the keyboard for me was just amazing and i think that's really what kicked off my you know my really productive year of writing so as far as writing at home versus going to coffee shops or whatever, the only thing I did miss was that we didn't get to have that writer's retreat this past January. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I missed that too. So I used to go to retreats with Broad Universe, 
you know, some of the, one of the women would host, a, or you know, somebody would rent a beach house, and then all of us would pitch in money, and then we'd get food, and we'd stay there, and we would just write and then walk on the beach, and then come on back and write some more. And you know, we can't do that with, with COVID, and I really miss it. No, yeah, and that's a great point. I, I was so motivated by by that event that I had scheduled my own in April. I had rented a little inn. Um, mm-hmm. on the coast of Maine, I think it was York, Maine, I can't remember for sure, um, that was going to take place in April, which, you know, it was great for the inn because it's essentially off-season for them. So to to get some, you know, some customers up there was good for them. And I was just really excited to to do the, the same thing we did in Vermont and just hang out with a bunch of people who are, you know, just all feeding off each other from the energy and I had to cancel that event the first time I tried to run it. So hopefully we'll be able to get back to that soon. It always sounds good from the East Coast. It sounds like always from Massachusetts. It sounds like so many people, are, it's so interesting. It just sounds so much different <laughs> than other places. You know, well, you know, it makes me think when I write here in Massachusetts, I do think of writing. You know, you don't always think of like L.A. Or you don't think of like Chicago as much as that. But, you know, you just kind of, when people are from Massachusetts, you just say, oh, this is such a spooky kind of thing. For people like me, I just what I think of when I think of it. <laughs> you know, it's just different, you know, and I think that matters a lot of times. Just the way you were talking right now, you know, renting a little place there, <laughs> you know, it sounds like a Hallmark movie in reverse where you're going to do different things. You know, and I think that's a good thing, though. I think I wish, you know, we did stuff like that here, you know, maybe go like have authors do that. I've not. That's a really good idea because you're right, because most of us have friends, our regular friends are not authors. So it's right. a diff- it's very different, mm-hmm. and authors know about authors. We all know how we are, and when we're sitting there, you could all of a sudden have a thought and start writing with your, with your regular friends. Just they think like, what are you doing? We have all these notes. You know, I take notes. I'm sure both of you do too. If you have a thought, do you do that or? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I think Elizabeth, you do it too. Uh, yeah, I do pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing about me- that that the, the different sets of friends, Marcia, is if you ever tried, and Elizabeth, you probably know what I'm talking about. If you've ever tried mm-hmm. to explain the plot of a book you're thinking about to a non-writer friend and they give you that look versus trying to explain it to a writer (laughs) friend who will, who will just immediately jump on it and start chatting about it. Yeah. You you basically sound like a lunatic when you're talking to your non-writer friends. Yeah. When I talk to my non-writer friends, I'll tell them about how I, uh, I killed off my husband in one of my short stories and they always think that it's the (laughs) coolest thing ever. (laughs) I mean, I think, you know, a a dream for me, I think, you know, uh, I do dream a lot and I ask other people and they don't seem to remember their dreams. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I wake up after my dream, like at night and I'm like exhausted, you know, and all these dreams. But a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't dream a lot. Do you, do you, Tom, do you dream? Yeah, I do, and and I I tend to remember bits and pieces of them, but it, yeah. it really yeah. fades away very quickly for me. Um, but I, I I honestly I can't say that I've ever had a dream that's given me an idea to write a story. Oh no, right? Yeah, me either. Right? Yeah, I don't have that. Elizabeth, do you have that? I haven't had that. Um, I've had some dreams that gave me ideas for stories, but um, I read something interesting recently too. I found it on FARC. It's this. Uh, funny news aggregator but apparently if you eat any kind of vein cheese especially stilton right before you go to sleep you're going to have very vivid dreams so um, i think it's because kind of, of the mold that's in the cheese what and i'm like cheese? i'm going to do that what and i love stilton cheese? cheese and so i'm just going to do it and see stilton what happens cheese? stilton mm-hmm. yeah that was the main okay. one and it seems to be any kind of vein cheese but stilton seemed to be the one that uh they were driving the point on so I definitely well, want to try, try that. And then just tell to see us. what happens. Try us. The next time you're on the show, tell me about it. If you're, if you're, yeah, if you have yeah, well. vivid. <laughs> All right, let's talk about, you know, um, I know you have a, a young adult book coming out, Tom. So what? how far is as far can you go with a young adult as to opposed to an adult book when you're writing? 
That that is a great question, and it was a great learning experience for me, um, because I I didn't know where that line was either until I yeah. had submitted it and and started getting the feedback from my agent and and the publisher. Um, you know, there the biggest two things that they that seem to be kind of taboo in the YA market for some reason are swearing and drinking believe it or not those were the two things you, you know that were that That's were kind of frowned upon in my manuscript there there was some violence um you know stuff like that obviously it's a horror novel there's going to be some yeah some yucky stuff in there and, and that was okay as long as it wasn't you know graphic to a point but yeah, yeah if i if i had the protagonist dad was sitting around having a beer, watching the ball game. And said, no, 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 you got to change that. He's having a Coke. He's not having a beer. And I was like, really? Yeah. Huh. I, real I, I, I imagine every, right. I imagine every kid that's going to read this book has seen their parents have a drink. So I don't know why that's the line, but that's what I was told. And that's what I did. Wow. So. Wow. It does seem like, it does seem like, so strange to have that as you know a breaking point in the because kids drink and they swear so even when they're young I know. You know but I guess you're not supposed to advocate it but the fact is swearing starts out really young you know mm-hmm. and I think that but it you know as soon as you put swear words in any book which Elizabeth you know in the erotic market too I mean mm-hmm. people swear people drink this is reality if you've seen a lot of the movies that you watch on TV, they do that. So why is the yeah? And and these, and I'm not you know, you know I wasn't I was not glorifying it or advocating it. I just felt like right. it was the normal part of society these days, and so I included yeah. it. But and, and uh, you know honestly, I'm fine taking it out. If there's going to be yeah. parents that won't won't let their kids read right. this story because it has swears in it, I'm fine taking it out and getting those eyes on the story because I really like the story. Right, right. So it is. I just wondered how it was because you know, young adults I know is different, and you know, I think young adult is a great market. You know, Elizabeth, have you tried young adults? Um, actually, I was wondering with a, a novel that I'm working on now. It's my first horror novel. Um, it, it, the main character is a 14-year-old girl, and I go back and forth wondering whether or not this is a horror novel or a young adult novel. And after Tom said no drinking, I'm like, okay, it's definitely a horror novel <laughs> because <laughs> one of the uh, the father in the book is an alcoholic, and it's like I can't take that out. It's integral to the plot. So okay, it's definitely a horror novel, but um, I've never tried writing young adult. I will I, say this, I uh, Elizabeth, I will say that uh-huh. I feel like the, the rules are going to vary from publisher to publisher. I, I really, because yeah, I, I read a lot of YA and I have read a, you know, I've read like, um, oh, I can't think of the name of the book now. I apologize. It was, it, it was a book <laughs> about a young black girl whose friend was shot by a white cop. Um, came out a few years ago. It was a movie, but obviously there's some very adult themes in that. There's some, oh, you know, yeah. some minor yeah. drug use. There's there's gang stuff. So I do think it's very subjective from publisher to publisher on what their view is on the market. Yeah. I don't think there's any yeah. hard and fast rules, but I think so. To, to your point, Elizabeth, I I think mm-hmm. if you went to a different publisher, you could market that as YA with no problem. Oh, okay. Well, it would be up to the publisher to decide how to categorize. Agree. Anyway. You'd have to mm-hmm. find the, the publisher who has, you know, kind of shares that viewpoint. But I, I, I know right. they're out there because I've read tons of YA books that have those themes in them. I mean, they're they're real themes in the real world. Mm-hmm. Why not talk oh, about yeah. them? Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. You know, right? It's you know, but for independent authors, the independent author gets to do whatever they want. However. They also want to sell their book. So if you get in the wrong category and then you put it on Amazon and you're in the wrong category, you know, the numbers just keep, they don't go anywhere, you know. And that's the right. part, is the categorizing, you know, of what a book is. And so, but you enjoyed the young adult market. So I, I was reading about your, your, 
your some of your regrets uh, on your blog. So you want to talk a little bit about because I think it's really important because we all remember what it was like when we were in high school or grammar school and things that happened to us as far as with our teachers and what we did and didn't do. So tell us a little bit about what happened with you because I think it's an interesting you know part of how writers you know evolve. Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I was kind of a nerdy introvert when I was in high school. <laughs> Shocking. Um, <laughs> I think that's probably the template for most writers. But um, so, I, you know, I always had a dream that I wanted to write stuff, but I, I never knew what to write or how to get started. And, and the interesting thing is this ties into how I kind of became a horror guy is uh, the assignment from the English teacher was just, you know, write a short story. It can be about anything. Doesn't doesn't matter. And I had just finished reading Stephen King's Salem's Lot, which just it, it just blew me away. I said, this this is what I want to do. This is this is everything. So my story, shocking, that I submitted to my assignment was a story about a kid that ends up getting turned into a vampire. Um, the reaction I got from Miss Camo, my English teacher at the time, was like gushing. I, I, I got an A on the story, but in, yeah. you know, right under the A in red pen, it said, let's put this story in Boojum Rock, which was our high school uh, magazine, I guess, if you will. A- and I was like, hey, I'm glad I got an A, but no way I'm putting this in a, in a magazine and letting, you know, all these, <laughs> all these kids that already think I'm a nerd. Now they're going to think I'm a weirdo because I'm writing about vampires. Yeah. So I'm like, no, I'm not, I, I can't do this. I'm not doing it. And I didn't. And I always wondered when I finally started taking my writing seriously, like what would have happened if I had done that? And, you know, would I have started earlier, you know, and, and gotten into, more serious writing earlier. Um, and, and I don't know, you know, who knows, right? But uh, yeah. the interesting thing is, it finally came into my head with technology these days that I could find that teacher who I never forgot. I never forgot that note on that paper. And I said, I, you know, she, she should be thanked. I, I mean, she really, it never left my head that she believed in yeah. me. And, and I should thank her. And, and, I finally took it upon myself to look her up and unfortunately she had passed away and that was really hard for me because I, I don't know. I feel like it would have been really nice to, for her to hear that from somebody that was her student 40 years ago that they had that impact on her. Um, right. So I wrote it up in my blog and, you know, I put it on Facebook, the link to it on Facebook and there's a site, um, from my hometown, Malden, Massachusetts. So I just said, Hey, I hope this is okay. I'm going to put this link, you know, cause it ties back to Malden high school. And some of her family actually content contacted me to say like, wow, wh- what a great right. thing it was that, that I put that out there. And um, wow. there were even bits and pieces of that story that I wrote that I have since used in other stories. So um, I ended up like sending some of her family members copies of my books and told them like what parts were in that story. And, you know, that, it, it was a good feeling. I, story, I really that, wish it could have been her. Story in itself. That is because when I read that, I thought, Oh my God. Cause a lot of times in school, you know, people, it's a reverse sometimes where they say, Oh, you know, the teacher didn't believe in me. And then they go and they say, Oh, I'd like to tell them how I did now because you could see me now of how I am. You know, because sometimes teachers do see, you know, and to have a teacher see the good is a good thing, you know, to see how good a child, you know, can do. But in certainly every child, when they're growing up, they don't always like, they don't follow what they're, you know, you naturally didn't follow along to keep going until get later, you know. Right, so, right. Maybe had you put it in, people all go, the kids might have said, oh, wow, look at that. Look how he writes. You know, you never know. I, I mean, right? I, you never know. And it's some, You know, it's one of those things. That you can never know how it would have went if you took that other fork in the road, right? But isn't it funny how you remember certain things that, you know, that really we don't realize what shapes us? 
you know, until sometimes something hits you like that. You know, that all yeah, sudden, I, I honestly, you know, that, that has been with me my entire life. And, um, you know, I, I've written about, I've written a little piece of that actual scene from the story in when I wrote Eternal Darkness, which is a vampire novel. But I wrote another uh, novella called Class Reunion, where uh, the main character goes back to his 40-year reunion. And basically, the scene is what I would have hoped to have happened, where he meets the teacher that had encouraged him to write and gets to thank her face-to-face. So that was my little way of kind (laughs) of fantasizing what could have been, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right, which is a good thing because you know, and if you're gonna be in, if you're in the young adult market, you know, some of the people that are reading that may, you know, end up reading Class Reunion then. I you hope so. Know. You know, I hope so. I, I yeah. really, part part of what I really want to do is is help. Um, I, I've done some volunteer work at a, a program in Boston for for young high school writers. And and that's really what I want to encourage people not to do what I did and wait 30 years to really try to follow their yeah. dreams. Right. So, and that's another reason I, I'm really interested in getting into the YA market because I can then maybe have a better way to connect with more of those fans. I think it's a great idea. I think that's a really good idea because I think, you know, I, we talk about this a lot on my children's author shows because, you know, kids, the little kids like to talk to authors and uh, middle grade and, you know, high school. Now you can't do those things, but the kids love to talk to other authors and see what, you know, what made them do what they do now and, you know, what it was like when they were a child. Do you have any of those stories or do you have anything when you were a kid? Were you writing? Um, yeah, actually, when I was about 12, I, well, I, was, I, went to, um, I was going to Sunday school. Because I, I, mean, I was raised Catholic, and one of the priests there, uh, Father Robert Ment, he he was also a writer, and I had um, written some poetry, and he liked one of my poems especially, and he uh, helped me send it to the New Yorker magazine because he'd been published by them. The New Yorker had published this priest's uh, his poetry, and uh, I didn't get published, but it was just the whole process of submitting something for the first time when I was 12 years old, and. You know, getting wow. the projections with, and it's it was great. it was it's really great. neat. I really liked that. And and later, when um, I was uh, I was in public school, and um, there was you know one teacher in particular that we we were reading The Catcher in the Rye, and I was also a dork and a nerd in high school too. So yeah, I knew the routine there. So uh, we were given <laughs> an assignment after we finished the book to continue it. You know, continue where the book leaves off and write a couple of chapters. So I, you know, I just, I absolutely love the book. And so I, I wrote out what I wanted to write. And the teacher liked it so much that he read it in front of the class. And I figured, I'm already a dork. It can't possibly get any worse. <laughs> so <laughs> so you know, he read it and I got some praise and I got the jealous kids that didn't like it. And I just ignored what they said. But yeah, that, that made an impression on me because I knew I wanted to yeah, write. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think the young so, adult method is a great one. That's, you know, can, it's a, I'm sorry, can I jump, jump in? I just I, I wanted to follow yes. up a, a question for Elizabeth on your story. Sure. So every author, you know, no matter how old or young you are, rejection is hard, right? So how mm-hmm. how was that to a 12-year-old girl who had never done it? Like, how did you take that rejection? I was just happy to hear from the New Yorker. Um, I mean, right. It, I really didn't expect it to get accepted. And I was already in um, – I, I, I went to Johns Hopkins for um, – it was like the gifted and talented program. And they, they had some classes that you'd either, either take creative writing or social work. And I chose creative writing. And one of the, one of the poems that I wrote there was about, um, it was a biblical poem. That's one reason the priest liked it. But um, yeah, it was, it was the same kind of thing that, 
it, it was just also exciting. And even getting a rejection really didn't bother me that much. Because first, I didn't expect it to get accepted. And second, it was just the whole process of it. I really liked it. And uh, to this day, rejections really don't bother me that much because I, I know that they happen. And I often get feedback, which really helps me a lot because then I can take the story and improve it. And then, you know, later down the road, somebody else will eventually pick it up. So um, I actually look forward to getting rejections because I never know what kind of feedback I'm going to get. That, that's that's a great attitude, and that's a great lesson yeah. that, you know, again, getting back to, you know, kids that are trying to get into writing. That's a, like you are going to get yeah. rejected. I don't care who you are. Um, mm-hmm. And just if they could take it with that same positivity that you yeah. did, I think more writers would flourish versus just – getting that rejection and saying, see, I suck and I quit and that's it. Yeah, I wonder how many great, how many great writers, writers we've missed. One rejection and then quit altogether all you know, they, they can't handle really, the negativity. That is the most important thing is that people understand that rejection isn't always just about what they wrote. It may mean that they may not want to print what, you know, your whatever your topic is and they've done something like that. We were talking about that last week, and I think it's so important. I know when I was a WGA agent, I mentioned this many times, I had so many good writers that left. They couldn't handle the rejection. Some of them said to me, do not send me my rejections. I just want to, okay, okay, fine. I have all my rejections. I still have them. Because I think for me, it makes you, you know, when you get a rejection, you just move on and you try to get better or you try to, Mm -hmm. you know, just say, okay, fine, and just keep moving on. But uh, so many writers, that's one of the reasons I do this show is because I want people to know if they get rejected, it's okay, just keep going. You know, you're most likely you're going to do better the next time. Well, when I I write a story, I always, when I write a short story, I always have tried to have at least five or six different markets in mind for it. So when one gets rejected, if I don't get any feedback, I'll just send it to the next one down on the list. And then I get feedback, and then I improve the story, and then I send it to the third one down on the list. And I just I just keep going until eventually somebody somebody will like it. And it, it most of the stories that I do write do eventually get accepted. It takes a while, but um, you know, eventually something does happen. Yeah, but most people don't wait around for that. That's the problem. They just, mm-hmm. you know, even with, I wrote, I wrote screenplays, and, you know, I myself right now, I don't, you know, I'm tired of doing things. I just keep writing, mm-hmm. and yeah. I just, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. publishing my own because I've been there, done that, you know, and I became an agent yeah. because yeah, I, I couldn't get an agent. And then people just don't, that's one of the things. It's so hard to get an agent to somebody to believe in you, you know, and you know, like Tom, what you were saying is when somebody does believe in you, it makes a big difference. It changes a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other way I look at it, you know, I guess with my adult perspective now is when I wrote Haven, my first novel, I had submitted that to probably 40 agents and either gotten rejected or never heard back from any of them. And then Cemetery Dance picked it up, and it goes on to win the the Bram Stoker Award. Award. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it, it's to your point, Marshall. Like it, it just wasn't right for that agent. It doesn't mean it's bad. Right. Well, does your agent help you now? I mean, you mentioned your agent. Does your agent, you know, help you now as far as you know, telling you what they think you should do, or do they are they happy with whatever you do? You know, do they have ideas for you that? you know, might not be something you want either. It's what they're thinking. Or do they let you do what they think of? Yeah, they're, um, so she's, she's very good about giving feedback. I guess, um, she's more focused on the film and television side. So her goal is to take either Haven or the novel that's coming out later this year, The Clearing, and, and get it yeah. as, you know, a Netflix series or, or a movie or something like that, which is right. great. I mean, that's the that's the dream. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've gone back and forth. Um, you know, she doesn't let me do whatever I want. She makes suggestions, and I can either take them or not. If I don't, right. yeah. you know, she'll she'll be okay with that, but I don't think she'll be as passionate maybe about pitching the work somewhere if she doesn't believe in it so uh declaring for example started out in my mind as a ya novel 
And then at one point she asked me to rewrite it as an adult novel. And then at one point it was a middle grade novel. And, you know, four yeah. years later it ended up back as a YA novel and it's published. Yeah. So right. yeah. It, yeah. I, I'm very fortunate that she's flexible and, you know, we have great That's conversations good. about why we should do certain things. And so far it's been good. Yep. The horror market is a great market now. And, you know, years ago it was not such a great market. And they would go, we'll, you know, we don't want sci-fi or we don't want horror. So that was then, okay? And so it's very different now. And so horror writers, you know, um, they, have a best, they have a very good chance now of getting out there much more than some of the other authors now. Not everybody can write I, I, horror. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think... You know, maybe I'm I'm a little bit narrow-minded on this, but I I blame the 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 horror movies of the '90s for really ruining horror for a while. All of the yeah, yeah. like the yeah. the Saw and the Hostel, yeah. they mm-hmm. they gave horror yeah. a completely different image of being yeah. nothing but like gratuitous yeah, violence and gore, mm-hmm. torture porn, exactly. Yeah. Torture porn, and I I I think that was kind of the downside of people like we're staying away from this. And you started noticing authors would call their work, you know, a supernatural thriller or, you know, they, they, that word horror would not appear anywhere. Um, and I think very recently, you know, things like, things like stranger things and, and some of those other um, shows and movies have kind of brought it back to like horror Mm -hmm. can be scary, but it can also be, I don't want to say wholesome, but, you know, I look at horror in my books as my books are about my characters and there might just happen to be a monster or a vampire there, but it's really about the people. And, you know, I don't know. I'm glad it's making a huge comeback. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, sometimes I say, you know, Elizabeth knows I've said this, I say, oh, it's a dark thriller because basically I think that's what a lot of them are. They're not, you know, I don't know what horror means. Like Saw is, that's exactly what people sometimes think of that. And no, they're not going to be cutting parts off, you know. And so I think that now it is so much different out there for the horror writers. And you can have a touch of horror in a thriller. And if it gets classified just as a horror film, then, you know, well, because of Netflix, things have changed a lot now. So because of Netflix and Amazon, it's more open now for mm-hmm. people. And Shudder. You know, Shudder's a whole yeah. station. Yeah. There's nothing but horror movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Which one? Shudder. Shudder? Shudder. Shudder. Really? Shudder is a horror-based streaming service, so they show all mm-hmm. kinds of, you know, everything from the old classics to, you know, recent horror and they're starting to even have their own original content kind of like a netflix Mm -hmm. but for horror only it's wonderful i love it yeah see that's a good thing right because i think that you know and i do think people are that's why i said that at the beginning i think they're kind of afraid of it and i don't know why you know i mean my my best show elizabeth knows that we've had some great shows that's why i keep having them because i think that People they just they they shy away and I'll say people say oh no I don't write horror well, what does that mean nothing <laughs> what does that right. mean have you ever written something that's a little dark you know yes you have so maybe you you know in some way mm-hmm. you have written horror and you don't even know it you know and right. so it's, it's you know and that's one of the things that people need to you know and I think also you know when people are getting classified on movies and you know with the genre this is a big problem. This is how you classify things. And then should it be R? Should it be, you know, it's very difficult for people now to decide what they're going to read and what they're not because sometimes the reviews will, you know, ruin it for people because there's a lot of people that don't understand horror or don't like it and they still review the book, so then don't review it. How do you feel about that? When they review stuff, they shouldn't. Well, they have a preconceived notion of what horror is all about, and it turns out that they're wrong, but they haven't been exposed to enough horror to really make a, I guess, a, a, a valid opinion it? about it. You know, people are listening, so how do you explain it to people when you think you're writing horror so they don't, like, jump? I, you're think, writing. Uh, I think a lot of horror is about overcoming obstacles. 
not, and it doesn't necessarily have to end with a happily ever after ending. Remember, I also write romance. It's like all bets are off when it comes to horror, which is one thing that I like about it. Yeah, and and there's there's also a lot of horror where the monster isn't really the monster, right? The monster could mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, a metaphor for cancer or disease or or divorce or anything, right? And yeah. you know, it yeah. goes back to like all the um, all the old sci-fi movies of like the '60s. You know, the the aliens weren't really aliens in a lot of those movies. The aliens were Russians. That was the fear of, you mm-hmm. know, Russia invading the Cold us. War. It was yeah. Exactly. So horror, you know, you you're just substituting something that's scary in real life with something that's scary but not real. And and I think it makes it easier for people to, you know, to defeat a monster on in a book or on a movie than to overcome whatever that real obstacle is in their life. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting, yeah, because I, right. And, you know, we are, you know, we do overcome a lot of things. I wrote a horror film too, and I, you know, uh, and so, but, you know, and I noticed that the topic that I wrote it on with my editor, we both wrote it and um, I probably should be sending it out more and I probably will, you know, I say that, but, you know, it does get, this is the thing. It's not about the rejection. It's just that now it's just, there's so many outlets and you're just looking at things. I don't know. So how do you feel about contests? I mean, because that's one of the things people are doing a lot of now is because there's, you know, because then you might have a shot at somebody looking at it that might be able to help you, you know, get somewhere and, and with a book. Cause a lot of times they want, it's better for them to take a book. I think, than a screenplay, even as a screenplay writer, because then they can change it and do what they want. So how do you feel about that with the books? I mean, where do you, do you send your book to any – well, she probably sends it. I'm sure you have an agent, so she's probably sending it to people, you know, that can help you, that want – they're looking for books. Yeah, so the, our, our relationship is very unique with the agent because she has – she has her contacts in the industry, both on, like I said, on the film and TV side and in yeah. the publishing side. And, and a lot of times, like very recently, I wrote a short story collection. And from an agent standpoint, they don't want anything to do with that. Short story collections, unless your name is Stephen King or Joe Hill, are not going to make money. So mm-hmm. I, I tell her, hey, I, I've got enough short stories. I'm going to throw a collection together. She's like, great. Good luck with that. Like, she's not going to really. But you know what? But, but I, those I mean, can be movies. But those can be movies because they take. You know, if they, you have a good short story, they can make them. They can make a movie out of that. I I don't disagree, but I she's she's trying to look at both sides of it and so and kind saying, of pl- right, play right, one right, off right. the other. And and I just don't right. think there's a huge market for single author collections, unless, you know, you're one of five people in the world and I'm not one of them. So So from that perspective, I'm fine with it. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Sorry. Oh, I I heard from readers that if they have a choice between a collection of short stories by one single author and a novel, they'll choose the novel because they they want to stay in the story for a long period of time. And a lot of people simply don't like short stories because they're short. They want to yeah. you know, get involved with the characters and the plot and really enjoy it for uh, you know hours and hours and hours. And, and I am a hundred percent in that camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but as a, a you know, but knowing how the they do speak sometimes, you know, when you're sending screenplays out, let's just say, or you're sending books, you know, a lot of times if you have a four or five hundred, four hundred page book, a lot of times the studios they don't want to read such a long book. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. They would prefer, you know, and that's why scripts are easy to read. It goes faster, you know. But now a lot of times they are going through the books, and because then they get the shot at making, they have their own vision of what they think it should be, and so. If you have a screenplay, they may not like what you wrote, but if you have a book, they might like the idea. Then they, you know, then they have a hire a writer and write the screenplay from your book. You know, that's a lot of times. You see most movies now, if you see them, it goes the novel by, or, you know, um, right. occasionally you'll see just an mm-hmm. idea even, you know, or a, a newspaper article occasionally will happen. So nobody ever knows what will make somebody, you know, that's the, that's the million dollar question. If somebody will 
you know, if somebody likes something, they'll figure it out if they like the idea, you know, because right. ideas are, you know, some people have great ideas, you know, which you said, like Stephen King, yeah. I mean, that's just him. He's Stephen King. So it's, you know, he didn't even know he was going to be Stephen King. That's the thing. You know, when you right. start out, that's why you're better off having someone say, oh, just keep going, because he did not think he was going to be who he is. And he's supportive right. of other writers because he knows that, how it was. You know, he just got, you know, not that he got lucky, he's good. So, you, I mean, you don't just get lucky, sometimes you get better, you know. And I think he he did. So, But, you know, a lot of people are afraid to start anything. So, at the end of the day, they should write something and let it go. You know, if you're going to say, oh, I think I'm going to write a horror story, whatever, just write the story. Don't keep it in your drawer. Just write it. And then if you can't get it published, you can independently publish, and maybe you'll get your next book will get published by a different, you know, by a publisher. So I think you shouldn't stop writing, you know, just because they're afraid that they'll get rejected, you know. And I hope that people realize that you do get better. A lot of times, I'm sure we all do, look at our old work and go, oh, this could be better, you know, or even Mm -hmm. something we wrote. Oh, maybe we should have done this. So I'll look you know, back at my old like work they all... and I think, what on earth was I thinking? <laughs> 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 I well, do that it, sometimes. You know, it, it, it's, I, I look at it like exercise, right? Like <laughs> you, you can't go out and, and win a race tomorrow if you ha- have never, yeah. you know, ran or, or trained or anything. And, and it's like that with the brain, too, I think. The, the more you do it, the easier it gets and the better you get mm-hmm. at it. Yeah, I, I think that, I, I do agree with that a lot, and I just think people give up too fast. You know, you they really do. Shouldn't, cause you, yeah, they really do, and that's why it's good if you're going to go out to a younger audience when things get better, because I think that's the audience that needs to know that they can just keep going. They're young, and they can just keep writing and don't give up. Even if, even if they tell them they're not good, just keep going, because maybe they'll get better. You know, and right, I think right. that's what people need to hear. So I hopefully you'll be able to go out soon, you know, and I do think the I adult so. market yeah, is a good one, you know, because if they like what you wrote and then if you keep writing it, they're, they're faithful, very faithful, that young adult market. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they are because, you know, a lot of times, you know, you lose authors if you just write one specific novel, but then when... You know, if you have a genre like you do, like a horror genre, or if you have romance, if you just stick to it, if you, you know, move along like I did, you know, which I always tell people I I don't think it's the best way to go, is you just write children's. I wrote a lot of different things. I think if you keep yourself in one market, I think you will get more people interested in your work because that's who you're catering to, not just anybody. You know, you're not sure you know, where you're going, you know, and just write right. a good story. And then you'll hear other people say reverse. They just keep writing stories and they just write a good book, you know. So I guess that's, you know, what it, what you think is better, you know. So it looks like both of you, you know, you're out there a lot and you've gone to conferences. So that's, what would you tell the young people out there, you know, that or the people that are not young or just people that are writing? Any advice for them of how to keep themselves active in this writing community. Tom, do you have any ideas for people that might help? Yeah, I I think nowadays it's much easier than it was when, you know, when Elizabeth and I were, you know, at that age, because, you know, there was no internet, there was no Facebook, there was, it's Mm -hmm. so easy now to collaborate and network online. You know, my recommendation would be, you know, get on, get on some Facebook groups with like-minded people, um, you know, in, in the horror industry or the horror genre, there's a Facebook group called Books of Horror that, you know, there's a ton of pretty well-known authors that comment in that group all the time. Richard Chismar is always in there commenting. Um, so if that had been me at 12 or 15 going into a, you know, I'll call it a chat room for lack of a better name, and actually yeah. seeing my hero writers interacting with people, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, how can you beat yeah. that? 
that, mm-hmm. that would keep me motivated. So I, I would say, you know, at, at that age, get into those groups. And then, you know, if you're going to be serious about it, when you get to the, you know, a little bit older, start going to those conventions. Um, you will meet the best people. You will get great contacts there. You'll have fun. Um, it's just, it's an amazing experience. And Elizabeth will, will attest to this. Cause like she said, we were both nerds and, you know, a, a little bit weird growing up maybe, but to be around your people, it's just very motivating. <laughs> yeah. And I think difference. it helps other people. Yeah. Elizabeth, what would you say to people out there? Is your um, well, I'd agree with, um, going to conventions and you can go just during the day. You don't have to stay at the hotel. Um, be picky about the ones you go to. I mean, I'd recommend Worldcon, um, Aresia up here, that's in Boston. Yep. Uh, Balticon out in the Baltimore metro area, that's another good one. Uh, Boscon is also in the Boston area, which I think is geared more toward industry than it is toward fans, because Aresia is ge- uh, geared more toward fans. But um, also, yes, join the groups, and I think I'm also in that uh, Books of Horror group. I think it's the same one, Tom, because... Um, I've yeah, it's great. I mean, there's, there's ten, tens of thousands of people so in it. And like I said, you, yeah, mm-hmm. and there's always great recommendations on what to read. And, you know, it's just interesting to me even now mm-hmm. to see, you know, like a Richard Chismire on there saying, hey, I just read this cool book. Like, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it's something meet the, the Tom Deedy at 15 mm-hmm. could never imagine, like, interacting with – Dean Koontz or Stephen King or Peter Straub, you know, like. I I think the writing community is very generous to each other. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. actual writers are actual, you know, really generous to each other. I read some, somebody had something on Facebook and it was, I didn't put a comment in because I don't always like to do that, but they were saying that writers are jealous and they're not helpful. And I, and I really felt I should put something in, but then, you know, I, Sometimes if you get in those groups, you get, you know, I don't, I don't want to be involved in arguments. I, that's yeah. not who I you, don't, you don't want but the target on I you. I felt it was so sad. I felt it was so sad for them, you know, to say that. Because I think after 12 years of shows, I mean, I have learned such a ton from all the guests I've had on, you know, and just even little bits of pieces that they say. I write notes, you know, and I found that Elizabeth wrote and Overcoming Obstacles, that sounds like a, a, a really good, you know, way for people to just start thinking, oh, because we've all overcome obstacles, you know. And so well, there's, there's and, one other recommendation that I'd make is um, in, in addition to going to the conventions and hanging out on Facebook and Twitter, you know, where, where all the writers are, try to join some professional organizations like uh, for women, for women that write speculative fiction, that would be Broad Universe, and I'm a member of that. Or um, join the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers Association and stick with your local chapters. Join a writer's group in your area. You know, just try to find a local writer's group. It'll I'd also better. recommend uh, join the Horror Association. Will, yeah, see, right now people are very, you know, they're alone, they're home, they're, you know, it's, it'll get better, you know, for people. And I think this year has been really tough. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of people have learned different lessons this year. You know, where mm-hmm. none of us ever thought this was possible. You know, we might have made, you know, you might have made a world like that up in a book that you would, you know, but you wouldn't have had this. We would not have believed this would happen, but it did. So I think people might come out changed, hopefully in a better way. You know, uh, I, I think, yeah, you know, that's my opinion. I hope it will be better for people. I I agree. I, I hope it will be better. Um what kind of amazes me to a point is like we just talked about it. It's been a year, right? Something that we could never imagine happening in our lifetime happened a year ago and we've already adapted to it. Most of us anyway, (laughs) like I don't go anywhere without a mask. That's truly overcoming an obstacle because the first week or two you go like, Oh, I'm in the house. And then by the second week and by the first month you go, Oh, I'm still in the house. And then the second month, and then by now we're going like, oh, it's almost a year. And it's, you know, it's really, and then when we all start getting out, it's going to be, oh, my God, we're out. (laughs) We are out, you know. And it is, you know, it's never something we all imagined, 
you know, even writers, you know, you just didn't think this would happen. You might have done this, you know, if you're writing a story thinking, oh, this is so outlandish, but now this is reality, you know, and this is where we are. So I'm hoping, you know, that after all of this, people will be nicer to each other, maybe a little and want to be helpful to each other. Because the, the mm-hmm. writing community, I think, over this last year, I do think from all the guests we've had, I think people, you know, they're happy to come on the shows because we're all in the same boat, you know, and they can't go out to promote their books. They can't go to conferences. They can't go to schools to, you know, talk to the kids. So this is a problem, you know, and um, that will change, I'm hoping, you know, for all of us, you know. So go ahead, Tom. Are you going to say something? Yeah, no, I I, I, I agree. I, I, I really have a, a lot of hope for the future of, of yeah, you know, how, how yeah. society is going to be when this is over. Um, yeah. But I, I just don't know when that is. We just heard yeah, the, the big I horror know. writers event. StokerCon is all virtual again this year. So uh, I'm wondering, I was hoping the summer events might take place, but now I'm thinking maybe it's going to be the fall before anything is really in person yeah, again. Yeah. But it, it's not that far away. You can do it. We can all do it. Yeah, we can do this. Look how mm-hmm. good we are. I mean, honestly, we can do this. Right? So, right, um, yeah, I think it would be nice to hear some of the titles that are coming out from you. So, Tom? Yep, I, my, I have two releases that I know of in 2021. They're both coming out around the May-June time frame. I don't have exact dates for either one. The first is a novella coming out from Crystal Lake Publishing called Of Men and Monsters. Um, and it's kind of a, a throwback, old-school, creature-feature type book. And I, I think I'm really, ho- I'm really hopeful for this one. I hope a lot of people are going to like it. Um, and the second one is coming out from Vesuvian Media, called The Clearing, and that's my first young adult book, which um, hopefully will be a young adult series going forward. I've kind of, I wrote it kind of paving the way that there'll be additional books and, you know, hopefully people like the two main characters enough to want to read more about them. Right. See, that that's important. That's, that, which is, that is one of the important things of, writing now is people do like series. You know, they really do mm-hmm. like it. You know. Well, agents like series. I knew that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, what about you? You've got some things coming out and we have a show coming up. So you want to tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, I have a bunch of short stories out now. Um, one of them is The Storm and that appears in the horror zine's book of ghost stories. And that anthology is up right now. It made the preliminary ballot for a, uh, for the Stoker Awards for Best Anthology. And the book also won the Predator and Editor's Poll for Best Anthology, so I'm really excited about that. And also my story, The Fetch, is in Wicked Women, an anthology of the New England horror writers. And uh, that one just came out a couple of months ago. And my most recent one is my horror comedy trailer trash, Zombies, which appears in Gesture of Hearts, which was just released in November. So you know, there's yeah. that, and there's also you know, I have a couple of other things, but mainly the uh, the game that I'm working on should be ready in about two years, and then I can come back on and tell everybody about it. Because I can't really say anything well, of course now. You can come back on. <laughs> there's no doubt you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> you can come on too, Tom, anytime you want. And uh, I probably should say that uh, I'm a contributor now for Empowering Your Soul magazine, and uh, I'm going to have a story this month. Well, it's actually four times a year. Uh, this is a bookstore online for children's books, and I think it's young adult also. And uh, Liette Regwan started it, and it's really good. It's all online, and books are being donated to areas that might be having problem with literacy, and, and it's also really good for independent and other authors to be on, you know, where their books get donated. And so I think it's mostly – the ones I've seen are, are children, you know, young children's books and uh but i'm not sure about the others but she's going to be um who i'm writing about because i think it's so good that they have a site online to help in certainly independently published authors and young children wanting to get books so together it really works out well she's from israel and she has a great um 
it's called Magic Bean Bookstores. So, and I think that it was a smart thing when she did that. And this month we're going to be talking about empowering women, you know, and getting them out there. And as the COVID, there's a lot of women have lost their jobs. So they're at home with their kids. So they, you know, and they're homeschooling. So there's so much going on now that is so different than ever before that uh, it'll make a difference. On, you know, for children having their parents home too, reading to them and spending more time with them. So that's why I've been having a lot of children's shows also. And I mm-hmm. think um, that about sums up. Any last words, Tom, that you'd like to give out? No, I, I actually, oh, I'm glad Elizabeth reminded me that um, my novella Coleridge also made the preliminary ballot for long fiction. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, wishing, wishing myself and Elizabeth the best of luck in, in making that final Both ballot because that's oh, a big, it's a and big deal. Yes. You too for Coleridge. Yeah, thank you. It yeah, it's I a big it's deal. Great, I, I hope know. we both make yeah. it. No, yeah, it, you know, it is a big deal. You know, I mean, I don't think people really realize. You know, we talk about this like so easy, but it's really not easy to write a book. <laughs> I mean, it's, it takes a lot of work, and you really do have to work at it. You know. Um, it's not for everybody, you know, as we were saying before, if you get rejected, but you, the, the fact that people continue on after rejection and continue to go for contests and keep writing, it's, it's really important, you know, that because people love reading. It's, you can't forget that reading is number is so important, to certainly to everybody and educationally and for entertainment, certainly now more than ever. So uh, that's it. Elizabeth, any last words? Mm, not really. Just keep writing. Okay, good. <laughs> we got it all out. We got, we got everything uh-huh. out. All right. Thank you both so much. It's been fun, and I uh, hope everybody out there stays safe and well. And uh, we will be through with COVID. Hopefully, by mm-hmm. said, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about this in September. Hopefully, it'll be over, right? And when people will go out and be able to have fun again. So I think that's a good thing Looking to look forward, forward to. It. to. I hope yes. so. <laughs> No kidding. Okay, thank you both so much. Bye. Okay, thank you too. Thank you. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye.